welcome to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast, where we talk about topics and resources that help you lead more to reach more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. And welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. My name is Tom Bump, and I'm your host. Thanks for joining me, my friends. Thanks for listening to every episode. I know a lot of you are listening, and I appreciate that very, very much. Every listener uh, that that subscribes, that shares is super important. In fact, I want to give a shout out to three people who just recently let me know uh, that they're podcast listeners, and they just joined our Kids Ministry Collective Facebook group. So Krista, Tara, Kimberly, hey, you all rock. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, for letting me know that you're listening and that the podcast has been an encouragement to you uh, and a challenge. we I really appreciate it. We really appreciate it here at the KMC. So thanks so much for doing that. And thanks for joining our Facebook group. You know, this week's episode is something that I think every leader thinks about almost daily. In fact, probably keeps you up. Uh, it, 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 it just has to happen because I know it happened to me um, so many times, um, especially as the week goes. Now, we're recording this later in a week, and my guest was even talking about, yep, this is the day where you're looking for those uh, uh, requests for weekends off, or I'm going to be out, or, oh, I just remembered text messages. Y'all get those, right? Um, and, you know, it's scary sometimes. And this is a topic that I have been doing some research on and reading about when it comes to something a little on a different angle. Uh, and so we're putting together some ideas for a new training, uh, what we're calling a KMC boot camp uh, that's brought to you from kmccoach.net. And so we're going to be offering this KMC volunteer boot camp and sharing some, I think, some powerful shifts for leaders to take that I believe is going to help with some breakthroughs that you need to start building healthy teams. And honestly, a lot of this I haven't heard talked about a lot, uh, except for what my guest is going to talk about today. And I'm pretty excited about this. Um, so I want you to stay tuned for this. I want you to keep an eye in the KMC Facebook group uh, because we're going to be talking more about the boot camp. In fact, later on, we're going to tell you about a special opportunity coming up later in February. Um, that you're going to want to be a part of uh, a great conversation uh, that costs you nothing. You just got to show up and have some time. Um, so that's what we're going to be looking forward to. So, and um, I should say for the for the KMC boot camp, for the first ten who sign up to do this, um, there's going to be some special offers and perks for them. So, just saying, you got to jump on this. Now, this week we are talking about none other than recruiting. Like I said, sometimes this keeps you up at night. Sometimes this is something that you can't stop thinking about, even in the middle of staff meetings. Um, I'm telling you, volunteering today and recruiting today is tough. It's brutal and it's changed. And my guest today is Matthew Haynes, and he's a kid's pastor who's right in the middle of it all. And like I said, uh, he's been getting messages today, uh, just like some of you are probably getting as you're listening to this podcast. But I'm excited to have him join me. And this, this is his first time. We just met in person, uh, I think it was last year at the kid, at uh, Children's Pastors Conference. So Matthew, welcome to the Kid Ministry Collective, man. Man, I'm so excited to be here. I've been listening for a long time. So this is kind of surreal to be 
on on this side of the microphone, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the virtual roundtable, as we used to say. We don't really say that much anymore, but it's good to see you. It's good to talk to you. And I'm really looking forward to this because uh, if you all caught the conversation with Hunter Williams and Stanley Mears uh, a few episodes ago, one of the things we talked about was this think tank that they did as a breakout at Children's Pastors Conference in 2023. And Matthew was a part of that team. And so we kind of touched a little bit about this topic, but both guys were like, no, you need to talk to Matthew and bring him in on the conversation because he's got the the wisdom on this one. So I'm excited because he's a younger leader than I am. And I love learning from younger leaders. So if you're a seasoned veteran, uh, clear the deck, turn off the phone, shut off the notifications, pay attention to this young gun. The man has some good things to share. So I'm excited about this. So pay attention. And if you're a younger leader, pay attention too. Uh, because if you're struggling with getting volunteers and you're struggling with this group called Gen Z, um, which maybe you're even a part of, um, but maybe you're struggling with it, um, you need to listen to some of this. So, all right. Now, Matthew, you know, since you since you said you listen, you know, we always start with a why question. So here comes your why question. Why did you get into children's ministry? Why why kids ministry? That is such a loaded question for me. That could potentially <laughs> require an entire other episode, but I think I can sort of sum it up for the purposes of the why question. Um, because I was actually in college when I got into vocational children's ministry um, and I was pursuing a biology degree. So I'm putting that to great use today, obviously. <laughs> um, but for me, and I tell young leaders this all the time when they're considering ministry, if if it does not break your heart enough where it's the only thing you can do, mm. then it might be worth considering another route. Um, and for me, that was ultimately it, that it's my calling. It's what breaks my heart. It is what keeps me up at the end of the day um, is championing kids and their families. Um, and I just can't imagine being anywhere else. So it's just something that God has has brought me into and would be there's several days where it would be much easier to set it down. But it it is it is my why it is why I do what I do. Um, and then secondary to that, I would say that I grew up in a family of memory makers. And so creating environments for kids that need it most has always been a passion of mine. So getting to combine my calling with a passion and creating environments for kids and families that need it most and to see the 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 legitimate truth that we can bring, um, that that is my why. Oh, man, I love that. I love it. That's a great answer to that question. Um, and, and I, and yeah, I mean, I can tell, <laughs> I see a lot of myself in, in you just much younger. Um, and you got that as a huge compliment. You've got some facial hair that I can't have. So I just, I, I couldn't grow it if I tried. So, um, so I'm a little envious of the, the stash there. Um, Thank you. Thank you. But but your why is solid and and uh, it, and very clear and I love it. So all right, we're going to talk about this whole idea of of Gen Z and recruiting Gen Z and and uh, because you know as somebody who's you know in the in the the boomer air you know generation and gosh I hate saying that um, I'll just say I'm a, the seasoned veteran generation. Um, I've been doing this for a while, plus thirty five years. Um, so, uh, 
a lot has changed when it comes to recruitment and what used to work for me um, years ago, the way I would pitch, so to speak, um, to my recruits and, and those kind of things um, is, has changed. And, and a lot of it's not working uh, anymore. And, and now everybody post pandemic is kind of struggling with all of this, but so we're going to talk about this whole group of what is Gen Z, who are they, and what do we need to do? But let's define who Gen Z is, because there might be folks out there going, you know, this generational thing and all these nicknames confuses me. So help us out here. Who Who is Gen Z? Well, I want to I wanna preface before I jump in that I don't necessarily consider myself an expert in the area, but I have been honored to, A, serve alongside a lot of members of Gen Z. Um, and B, through this uh, team that I was a part of at CPC, got to lead a lot of conversations around this. So I'm excited to share some of the things that I'm learning in this area, um, but it is a continuous learning process. So I'm, <laughs> I'm in it with everybody else. Cool. Um, but for the for the purposes of this conversation, and, and this is the definition that we used in that conversation at Children's Pastors Conference, we defined Gen Z as anyone from the ages of 12 to 25. So we really focused in on current middle, high school, and college students. There we go. All right. And that is a lot of what we recruit um, mm -hmm. as children's pastors. I mean, the church that I serve in, a lot of our, our team members in both of our services are young people, teenagers, and younger younger parents. Um. um or or don't they don't even have kids yet i should say so um so that's an interesting thing so gen z strikes me as as a as a different kind of generation there's yeah. no doubt i mean we already know that alphas coming after them are definitely different yes. um but gen z what sets them apart what makes them unique um from other generations so as I've been having these conversations, I've really seen three themes that come up as we discuss Gen Z. Um, and the first one, and I would argue probably the most prominent one that I hear is Gen Z is on this, um, this exploration for self-identity, mm. looking at how to identify themselves in this vast world. Um, and I was recently talking to a friend of mine and I was talking to him about this conversation. And he, uh, I love this because he does such a great job of challenging. He came back to me. He's like, well, wouldn't you say every generation has been trying to find their own self-identity? And mm -hmm. as we were talking, what we realized the difference is, is Gen Z is the first generation to have to do that publicly. And that yes. really comes through the social media world that mm -hmm. they, are, they are not internally processing these conversations or even privately with people they trust, they're putting it out for the world to see. Um, and as they are seeking their self-identity, they are learning from other people that are also going through that publicly and therefore have a lot of voices in their head that may not be speaking truth, but seem to be answering questions that they have. So I would say this quest for self-identity is one, this living in the world of social media because they've known nothing else. <laughs> social media today is so fast and so it's almost scarily easy to connect with people all, oh, yeah. all over the world, which can be a great thing, but also cannot be. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the third thing I would say is they have, they put 
mental health on a paramount that I haven't seen in other generations where Gen X and millennials, you know, this, this forefront of mental health priority priority has been, has been put in front of them during some developmental years. That's all Gen Z is known is, is we need to prioritize our own mental health. And all of those three things kind of swirl together, but they're, they're on this quest for self-identity. They're trapped in the world of social media. So they're doing it publicly all at the same time. They are champions of mental health. Wow. Well, and we definitely know that, you know, again, living in, in this post pandemic world and this, this obviously, I think the world war two generation understood some of this trauma of how Mm -hmm. fast the world changed and how harsh it became. And now this generation has seen a pandemic that's a very good parallel that lost a lot of people. So there's a lot of trauma and hurt and confinement because even, you know, I've talked to some that are older than I am that, you know, and I remember hearing my grandparents even talk about the world war two era of, of how they felt isolated um, and that there were times where they couldn't be with their friends and families and, and uh, it made it tough. And, and we had that same kind of feeling, just a different, <laughs> different battle, I suppose yeah. to say. Um, and so now on the flips on the outside of that, the backside of that is this thing of what just happened and mm-hmm. how do we deal with this and how do we get back into the world? You know, when the war ended, there was this, how do we restart everything? The pandemic came through and it's, how do we restart everything? Yes. Um, and so there's, yeah, I can see why, you know, several generations before and after um, where I'm at have ha- experienced this and that affects everything. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if they're not feeling secure, if they're not taking care of themselves, then volunteering becomes hard. Um, and a challenge for them. And so very interesting. Um, I hadn't, hadn't really thought about that until you started talking about it. And it was like, wow, that really makes more sense. Um, for sure. So, so when we're thinking about, um, recruiting this generation, Mm -hmm. um, we want to do it the right way. And I know there's some things that, that we probably shouldn't do. Um, or say when it comes to recruiting them. So help us understand, um, especially for those seasoned leaders that are are listening to this podcast, what are some things that that you're seeing that would that you'd say, man, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Um, help us help us seasoned veterans get some perspective here. I want to say because I know easily this conversation can become very doom and gloom especially in the world we're living in today. But I do have sure. some great news for those of us that are in the midst of trying to recruit this generation. All right, bring it. Um, and that is, and I feel like I can speak for a lot of leaders in children's ministry when I say that, that we are passionate about culture creating. I mean, we hear talks about it. We go to conferences about it. We work hard to create a culture that our ministries are, are founded on and that we can go back to. Um, and historically, at least in, in my experience, I have had to work backwards where I kind of established the culture. And then once my volunteers are in the space, I'm, I'm going back and explaining that culture to them. Okay. Um, especially 
seasoned leaders that have been there for a while. The great thing about Gen Z is they're incredibly attracted to positive and healthy culture. So for those of us that love building environments with healthy culture, that is something they're incredibly attracted to, which brings me to your question of what we should not be doing is going in blindly. And we should have a plan for how to create culture, because if we don't, this is a generation that will sniff that out. Mm. Uh, They will recognize, okay, you, you don't have a heartbeat that is, that is designating your patterns on a Sunday. Like, I want to know the why. They, want, they are a why generation. They are not okay with just getting a checklist. They are not okay with just walking in and, and following whatever instructions you give them. They want to know the why behind it. And so if you have this healthy, positive culture that you've created for your team, mm-hmm. they will link right into that. I've seen that with my team. One of the, one of the best things that I think I did for my volunteer team is we actually um, developed a system where part of our onboarding is we do a personality assessment Uh Um, and that personality assessment, which there's actually a book on this um, and it's fantastic. I can't remember the title, but it's by Kathleen Edelman. Um, Oh gosh. It'll come to me in the middle of my talking, I'm sure. But (laughs) basically, you take this assessment and it assigns you a color. It's based off of your innate temperament. And it all comes back to how God wired you innately and how you communicate and receive communication. And once we know your color, I actually give my team a lanyard that matches. That's the lanyard that their name tag goes on. Mm -hmm. And so when they walk onto the hall, they've got a tool in their belt because they can look at any other leader in the environment and know a little piece about them when it comes to communication. Wow. And my student leaders, oh my gosh, they have been such champions of this, of, of walking in and saying, okay, so you're a blue. So you're much more strategic thinking. You're going to, you're patterned. You have a plan. Let me talk to you about what, what your plan is for this room. Cause I'm a yellow. I'm the exact opposite of you. And I want to bring passion to it. I want to explain it to the kids. I want to get them excited. So let's work together to form our, our course of action for this Sunday, because I know a little bit more about you because it's literally hanging around your neck. So, so they love a plan. Don't walk in without a plan. And the other thing I would say um, takes us outside of Sunday mornings And that is, this is a generation that is so connected to social media. So who we are on social media matters to them. And so Mm -hmm. the things we say, the things we comment on, the things we disagree with and or agree with that we talk about publicly on social media, that matters to them because they are seeking safe people. Um, And oftentimes they don't they're they're still defining what that looks like in their head and for a member of gen z oftentimes a safe person means an inclusive person and so they're looking for an excuse to say okay well you're not inclusive you're not safe i'm cutting you off from my world because i don't think anything you have to say is going to be helpful to me because i've seen Mm. how you have hurt somebody else that i care about wow okay so for leaders that are are that are older, that are seasoned, we need to watch that, those kind of things that, that, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with standing for truth. There's nothing wrong with standing for biblical guidelines, but we need to explain, like you said, the why behind those things and why we stand on those things. And then 
like you said, um, on the social media side, that's very interesting to think about is, is that they're going to, they're going to make an assessment of, do they want to be a part of a team with you? If, if you're not showing grace and love and, and truth on online. So. And I would say all three, because I think I've seen a lot of leaders that lean into that grace and love because they want to be inclusive and they want members of this generation to be part of what they're doing. But that truth is important too, because what they may not realize yet is that is ultimately what they're seeking. That's going to be what their identity can be founded in. And so seeing those three in tandem is going to be huge. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when we're approaching volunteers uh, or prospective volunteers that are in this Gen Z group, what's some of the better ways to approach them? Um, I like, I like the colors temperament idea. Um, I I think they call it real colors. Um, I'm trying to remember because it's blue, green, yellow, red. Is that right? That's right. Orange or is it orange? I always forget. No, it's the one I know is, is blue, green, yellow, red. Okay. Um, I've seen something very similar. So, yeah. Um, I said this, you heard that. That's the name of the book. It's by it? Kevin Edelman. I said this, you heard that. Okay. It's so good. It's it's actually written as a small group study, but you can get it just as a resource and it includes that assessment. Um, and so it's a great, It's it's been awesome on my team at least. Very good. So we know that that's one way to approach and draw young people in is mm-hmm. helping them feel known and yes. helping them to know others. I thought I, I got that right away that exactly that, you know, the way we should, the, what we shouldn't do is, is just have them be a name on a checklist. What we mm-hmm. should do is help them be known and that, you know, them. Um, what are some other things that we could do? What are some other best practices um, that you've seen or heard um, when it comes to recruiting and getting these young people to join our teams? So one thing that we talked about in that think, think tank is specifically um, how to communicate, like physical ways for us to communicate with this generation, because it does look different. Um, most members of Gen Z are very anti-email. <laughs> um, and surprisingly, a lot of them are even anti-text. Uh, because they are so founded on um, on who you are as a person, the emotion behind that, they want to know why you said that and how you're feeling, and things can be misconstrued over text, mm-hmm. they avoid it. At the same time, they're not going to answer a phone because they, they do want to control over the conversation. <laughs> so one thing, and this is, I learned this at the conference, and I have started using it, and it's been amazing is the voice memo feature on text. That is a form of communication that they love. They love to be able to hear your voice, to hear the cadence behind it, the heart behind it, and to be able to do the same for you. Um, I think a lot of it comes from the Snapchat feature. They love to send Uh videos back and forth. Uh, I personally would not recommend as a leader getting Snapchat and using that as a form of communication because that can get a little bit dicey, yeah. but the heart behind that is, is, is hearing the cadence and understanding the heart behind what you're saying. And I can get on board with that as it pertains to the voiced memos over text. And so um, I have started doing that with a few of my Gen Z volunteers, just as a check-in, letting you know, I'm thinking about you. I prayed for you this morning. Hey, you told me about this thing with your grandmother on Sunday, wanted to see how that went. 
Um, and instead mm -hmm. of writing it up as a text or sending it over email, as we may do for other members of our team, um, utilizing that feature to communicate, which I know that's a very specific. Um, no, that's tip, good. It's we need uh, that kind of stuff. <laughs> it has been so helpful. And then I would also say, um, and this is another, I would say, um, more good news for us as leaders is not only are they attracted to positive culture, um, but they they are a all-in generation. So if their friend group is doing something, they're going to do it too. Um, and so if you already have an established positive culture with student leaders on your team, what you're going to find is more and more of them will start to show up on Sundays to want to be a part, um, which is something that I've seen. And, yeah. and I will say that that is something that is heavily influenced from the student ministry at our team, at our church. So if you are not currently partnering with whoever leads your student ministry, mm. um, that is a missed recruiting opportunity, whether or not you know it. Um, yeah. Because I'm so thankful. I actually report to our, our family pastor who actually also runs our student ministry here. Um, and, and Brian talks about with his students, we, not me, that once you have you have been inside of this culture once you've experienced the truth and and you want to be a part of what Jesus is doing now mm -hmm. it's not a me focused mentality it's a we focused mentality how can you do that for others yeah. um and so that's something that he encourages from student ministry and i have seen that um come back as students turn around to be a part of environments that are doing the same thing for the generation coming up behind them so I would say lean in on those student leaders or the leaders of students in your mm -hmm. church mm -hmm. and partner with them to make that a cultural thing at your church. Yes. Yeah. There's no doubt. Um, you know, I've had the opportunity over <laughs> my years of ministry to be the youth pastor and the children's pastor at the same time. And, and that was one of the things that I, I did. And I loved early on was being able to, to bridge that gap. And have kids um, and students, you know, jumping back and forth and realizing that when they get older, they get to come back and serve. But the, those that were older students, they knew that this was a legacy they could leave behind them. And we constantly um, challenged our students, you know, hey, look, you know, yeah, you can go on all the foreign trips in the world. But Jesus said you're responsible for Jerusalem first. Mm -hmm. and, and that was our thing is it's our Jerusalem first. Um, and what are you Absolutely. doing locally and investing in the next generation um, for our students? We challenge them to invest in that next generation, to be that big brother, that big sister to that upcoming group. Um, and I, I said, you know, because you think about it, those kids that are three years behind you, when you're a senior, they're going to be a freshman coming in. Um and so, you know, you, you can pick on them while you're in children's ministry, but then when you go into student ministry, yeah. um, you're going to have an opportunity to lead and, and then they're going to look to you and go, okay, I want to, I want to, I want to go to that bar. I want to, I want to raise it. Um, and so I think it's a powerful, a powerful thing that a lot of leaders, we look at this generation as uh, a sort uh, the the means to an end you know it's and and we almost think they're they they're obligated to serve no they're not and we don't want them to feel that way and i think that speaks to what you were talking do, that's what that's when they're going to step away yes um i think if they sense that they're just a body 
mm-hmm. and honestly, I think this is something that goes across the generations. Because yes. um, I've seen some older adults come into children's ministry, and they don't want to be a babysitter, mm-hmm. and they don't want to just be crowd control. And so, if you don't give them something significant, um, this is something that really has hit me hard lately. Is I think the whole done for you approach is backfiring on a lot of us as leaders because we're taking that and we're saying, because I see this all the time in the, in the Facebook groups of people saying, I need something simple and easy for my volunteers. (laughs) Yes. What does simple and easy communicate? Hmm. Um, A circus monkey can be trained to do this. I don't want to do something a circus monkey can do. Mm -hmm. I just don't. It's not worth my time. And I think from what I'm picking up from you, Gen Z doesn't want to be treated that way. Um, They want to come in and do something that's significant, Mm -hmm. that is transformative, Mm -hmm. um, that has meaning not just to them, but to someone else. Um, Am I hitting it right? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. So... I see that with the older generations too, boomers and, and up, you know, even millennials, you know, millennial parents, they, they do want, they're not as self-centered as a lot of people make them out to be. They want something significant. They want something that makes them feel like they've got some purpose. So if we just come in and say, well, you don't have to prepare and I'm just going to give you your stuff and just, you know, quack when I tell you to quack and waddle when I want you to waddle. Mm-hmm. I watched somebody, uh, they've disappeared from the children's ministry because I think that's exactly what they were made to feel like. And it hit me the other day that, wow, we got to watch that uh, Mm -hmm. as leaders. We've got to be careful. And now that you're sharing this about Gen Z, I'm like, woo, we've really got to be paying attention, leader, to who's coming into your environments and what environment are you creating for them, right? Is that... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what other, um, I'm going to go off script just a little bit. What are the things in this think tank? Was there anything that surprised you um, as you were talking with people? Um, I'm going to pull up my notes for this one because there were, um, there were a couple of things. One thing, and this was fascinating to me because this didn't just come up one time. Um, The way we did this think tank is the room was divided into quarters. And so each of us got a chance to go speak to each quarter of the group. Um, and lead very similar conversations. And one thing that came up every single time was this idea of expectations versus creativity for Mm. this generation, where what we know about this generation is they do thrive on expectation. They want to know what is expected of them, Mm -hmm. but they want you to leave enough room for creativity um, where they can take that and do something amazing through what you have given them. Um, and I have to say that that is is so true. This is a TikTok generation. They're all about um, these crazy hacks that they've learned from videos they've seen. This is a generation that learned how to educate themselves via a computer for a year when their schooling was mm-hmm. digital. Um, right. And so they can take a set of expectations and with the right amount of creativity, do incredible things. And so figuring out what that balance looks like in your ministry of, okay, here's what we need to accomplish. These are the non-negotiables for kids when they walk into our spaces. But here's the space 
where conversation can happen, where creativity can happen, where I want you to take those things that you know to be true, that are innate to this ministry um, and create something that kids want to be a part of. Wow. Glad I asked that. (laughs) And we will definitely be talking about that in this upcoming gathering that we're going to do. Um, I want to come back to that. So we'll have to make a note. I want to come back to that. All right. So significance. You just talked about giving them that room to have clear that creativity and 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 all that. How do we give them that room? And and what does that look like? How do we make ministry significant enough that they want to join those teams and be a part of this group? Um, I'm gonna give a very specific example that's something you can do at your next training um, that has been very helpful for us. Um, Almost every time that I do a training for my team, I get them all together in a room and we present the content and then we break it up into small groups, typically in accordance to the age group that you serve. So if you serve in lower preschool, you're going to be with other lower preschool girls versus first and second grade and so on. Um, But what we typically do is we take the student volunteers and give them their own space and Mm. we bring them all together. Um, And what I tell the whoever is responsible for leading that group during that training, I tell them, hey, A, I do want you to help them take the content that they heard in this large group session and apply it to what they do. I do want that to happen. But more importantly, I want you to give them a voice into what they're currently doing and how we can serve them the best that we can. I want to give them a specific safe avenue where they can speak up and say, hey, this is something that's going really well for me, or this is an area that I feel very heard, or hey, this is a struggle for me, honestly. And I, I'm glad that that mm-hmm. got brought up because I want to I want to be able to talk about what you guys do or what, what maybe the leadership of this ministry can do to support me better in this role. Um, and what I found is when you take that feedback and then listen to it, and some, that doesn't always mean take everything they say and, and do it. I had, <laughs> I had one student say, I just don't understand why you can't have a piping hot breakfast waiting for me every time I come in to serve. <laughs> and sure. Like, Wouldn't we all love that? Yes, absolutely. You got time to do that on a um, Sunday morning. Why yes. not? <laughs> um, so I'm not saying take everything they do, but listen to that feedback. And when appropriate, when it doesn't take away from the culture or the rhythms that you've established on Sundays, apply some of those things that they're giving to you. Because what they may not be saying is they're trying to help you create an environment that invites other students in to be a part of it too. Um, And what we found uh, that as we've implemented those things, or at least taken the time to go back to that student and say, hey, I heard that you brought this up in that small group conversation. First of all, I just want to say, thank you for saying something, because I would much rather you say that out loud and for us to know than for you to be holding that silently. Yeah. But let me walk you through why that may or may not be feasible in the space. And let's have a conversation once you know the why of where we can go from there. Um, mm-hmm. Because what you've done there is given them an elevated voice and they're going to tell their friends and then that feedback is going to create an environment that other students want to be a part of because they know it's a space that their leadership is valued and their voice is heard. Cool. Yeah. For that one that wants the piping hot breakfast, I, I'd bring some Pop-Tarts in and a toaster and say, here you go. <laughs> As your piping hot breakfast. Now, I will say I did one time. Um, I've, well, I didn't, I've done it a couple of times except for when it, now it's gotten too expensive, but you used to be able to get like sausage muffins for like a buck or something oh. like that. 
I'm and so I, sad. I can't do that anymore. I was just say, I used to go buy like 20 of them and bring them in. Um, and that way, if they showed up to the huddle, which was, you know, to get them there early, uh-huh. um, they got a hot sandwich. Um, and, and let me tell you, those that missed it that first time I did it, um, you know, sometimes I'd leak it out or I'd say something about, you know, huddle's going to be hot this morning. Um, mm-hmm. They got the picture and, and it was amazing how my attendance jumped um, on those weekends where I, I did stuff like that. But yeah, Pop-Tarts and donuts. Um, the, the older generation likes the pot, the donuts. The younger generation went for the Pop-Tarts. Um, oh, yeah. And you didn't even need a toaster. They didn't care. They'd eat them cold. No. Um, no. So anyway, all right. That was way off track, but <laughs> um, but, but fun. Um, so yeah, you know, if, if McDonald's ever brings them back down, um, the price is back to reasonable, you know. I was just talking about, I, I got a griddle. I, I might just have to make my own, you know. Um, but like I got that time for on a Sunday morning. Never mind. Shush. Um, okay. Well, well we're, we're going to have to wrap up here soon, but I, I, I do want to know what, what are some final tips, um, things that you've learned, um, maybe from your own experience or from this think tank about having Gen C's on our team. How do we retain them? How do we keep them on our teams? Because sometimes I know, at least from the older seasoned veteran, it's hard to keep them on because sometimes that motivation of, of, you know, they, you know, they come back from missions trip and they're like, yes, I want to go serve in children's ministry. And they come roaring in and they're great for a month. And then they're constantly calling off and that frustration level for the older seasoned leaders. I can feel the tension, you know, as I'm talking about it. Um, so how do we keep, Gen Z going? How do we get them on our team and keep them on our teams? Yeah, I would say in addition to all the things we've talked about, giving them a voice, being a person that's safe for them to talk to about what's going on in their world, um, leaning into who they are, giving them tools to understand the people that they're serving alongside. Um, I would also say that old line that um, praise publicly and criticize privately Mm. is I mean, I think that's a big deal to anybody serving on your teams. Yes. But, but one time that you go in and, and tell one of your students publicly, hey, let's not do that. That could be enough for them where they're like, okay, I'm done. Um, and so taking the time to not just look for those opportunities where they can be better and privately walk them through that, but equally take the opportunities to publicly praise them, especially in front of other adults. Um, because that brings great value to what they do when yeah. it's worth it to you to say it in front of adults that they serve alongside. Um, just the other week, I noticed that we had an uptick in high school volunteers that serve in our elementary team. And so I actually made an appearance in that huddle to look at the first high school leader that started who's still on the team. And I looked at her and I said, I just want to let you know that you are a leader in this that you created a space that other students could come behind you and join in. So I wanted to thank you for coming here, for having conversations, for voicing your opinion, Mm. know that it matters. And I'm so thankful that other students are following suit. And to say that in front of other students and the adults that serve on that team um, does make a big difference. Yeah. Yep. I think that's, you know, that's a pretty powerful, um, tool to have in the toolbox is to let people know person personally acknowledging them publicly and privately 
letting yes. them know, um, you know, and I, I think I've got one other one is one of the things that I, that I noticed is there are times where I would go to a, their parent and let mm-hmm. them, let them know just how significant their student has been in the, in the ministry, mm-hmm. because that gets back to the student. It does. And I have seen that become a big win for keeping kids on my team, um, students on my team and keeping them excited and motivated because I went the extra mile to let their parent know that, Mm -hmm. Hey, their son, their daughter was fantastic with this group. Um, you know, and, and man, oh man, you know, there was something about that, that just let that, that student know that I saw it. Um, it didn't go unnoticed. And not only have I told them, but I went and told their parents about it and, and Mm -hmm. getting that praise from their parents to say, man, that, that made me feel good. Um, you know, sometimes they don't always get that kind of stuff. Um, parents too. (laughs) Um, and, and, uh, I found that that really helps, you know, when you, when you have that opportunity to, 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 uh, encourage verbally, um, and then there's always fun bl- ways that you can bless that, that age group. And they love, mm-hmm. you know, I I've done some special nights just for my teen leaders and, and, you know, bring them over and, and go out and have some fun or buy them pizza. Um, that kind of thing. Like I say, um, they, they love all that kind of stuff too. So the, the youth pastor in me comes out. Um. <laughs> it's helpful to have experience in both. It sounds like <laughs> it, it, it does. It, it helps when you, when you've worked with students for, for a long time and you, you can, you know, sometimes there were days that it was totally exhausting and I felt totally schizophrenic. You know, I, I was just like half of me is going student ministry, half of me is going children's ministry. And I felt this divided heart. And then there's other times where, man, it was a powerful tool. Um, because I could, I could draw that in and, and, uh, we gave our students that opportunity to have a a role. Um, and uh, we got to the point where our students were leading our vacation Bible school. Um, they literally, I had a teenage, two teenage girls running our preschool department. Uh, I had, I had teenagers telling the Bible lesson, leading all the singing, running the tech. Um, we got to the point where we did that for a couple of years and then we started looking for small churches um, that we could go and say, hey, a couple weeks after this that became our missions trip, honestly, um, we we just said, hey, we're going to come and bring everything we have, all of our stage set, everything. We'll come in um, to your church. We'll put on the whole Bible school for you. You just have to promote it. Uh, you have to get snacks for, for the kids. And we had them do the craft stuff. We'd send the craft stuff ahead of them and say, here, our students will run small groups. They'll, they'll run registration. They'll, you know, they'll help with all that stuff. Um, Your people can fill in. It was the coolest thing ever. Um, um, I have, I have, well, they're, they've got families now. Um, Every once in a while, I'll get a Facebook message from somebody saying, you know, I remember the mission trip. This popped up in my you know, in my memories, um, and, uh, or I found these pictures from, from the missions trip and, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was very cool to watch teenagers have such a significant role. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and I had pastors tell me, I can't believe your kids are doing this. I, it was easy for me. I, I mean, normally I'm the one doing all the teaching. 
I, I taught one day out of the entire week. Um, it was great. I loved it. So, well, Matthew, thank you, man. Um, I think, you know, this is going to be a fun discussion. Um, like we've been teasing out, um, uh, for those that are listening to this podcast, uh, coming up very quickly after this podcast, uh, February 23rd of 2023. Um, so it is coming up quick, um, uh, in the kid ministry collective Facebook group, um, we are going to do it. Well, I should say one o'clock Eastern, we're going to do a zoom meetup where we're going to talk about recruiting, um, recruiting for the generations and different challenges that we're facing. And we're going to come together and basically form a think tank, um, and come up with some ideas and some strategies, uh, what's working, what's not working, um, and try to, to figure out, um, so some of these things that we can help each other with, you know, part of the purpose of the kid ministry collective is iron sharpening iron. Um, and so I'm hoping some younger leaders will show up to this. I'm hoping some of you seasoned veterans will show up, uh, because I think there's stuff we can learn from each other. There's things that are old school that believe it or not still work. Um, there's stuff that doesn't work. There's stuff that, the new stuff works and doesn't work. So let's learn together. So February 23rd, one o'clock in the Kid Ministry Collective Facebook group, there'll be a Zoom link uh, that you can come and join. You don't have to sign up, just show up, um, but bring some ideas with you about recruiting. Um, but Matthew, thanks, man. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to have you back on the podcast. Um, you have another breakout thing and, and you've posted about this way of having an assistant um, I'm going to yes. tease that episode. Um, I would love to talk about that. Because we are going to talk about that one. Because I remember when you posted about it in the Facebook group a long time ago. And I was like, oh, I'm intrigued. And I should have had you on then. Um, but we're going to do it. Um, we'll get you back on for that. So before we wrap up, though, if somebody says, hey, I got some more questions. Uh, how could they touch base with you? Um, I would say the best way, um, I'm not a member of the Gen Z, so I am good with email. <laughs> <laughs> so feel free to email me. It is Matthew, M-A-T-T-H-E-W dot Haynes, H-A-I-N-E-S at Springwell, S-P-R-I-N-G-W-E-L-L dot O-R-G. All right. And we will put that in the show notes as well. So Hey Amen. Thanks for, for sharing what you've learned um, with us. And uh, I hope that it will help others out there. So thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you having me. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. Again, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining in. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for letting us know when you do join the Kid Ministry Collective Facebook group. Don't forget, answer all the membership questions. We are totally serious about that. Um, just had to send some messages telling people, hey, we're not letting you in until you answer the questions. Leaders need to follow direction. Um, anyway, thanks for listening, my friends. If there's anything I can do for you, reach out. Uh, check out kmccoach.net if you need some help. If you're hurting, if you're struggling with burnout, go over to restoringleaders.org. We're here to serve you. So God bless you. Thanks for listening and join me for another episode real soon. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. We hope that it's helped and encouraged you. If you would, support our podcast by continuing to share it with other leaders. And if you haven't already, hey, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. 
We look forward to hearing from you how this podcast has helped and sharpened your skills in ministries. So let us know on your Facebook page or head over to kmccoach.net and share with us there. And thanks again for listening to the Kid Ministry Collective Podcast.